0: Welcome to A Life Invested, a podcast dedicated to helping you create the lifestyle of your dreams by investing in people, assets, and yourself. I'm your host, Roger Comstock. All right, my friends, welcome back to A Life Invested. I am beyond grateful to have this incredible guest on the show today. His name is Nicholas Hutchison. This good brother is from the Boston, Massachusetts area, and he's the founder of Book Thinkers. It's a company dedicated to spreading the power of personal development books. Nicholas is focused on developing insightful content and interviewing the world's top nonfiction authors for his podcast, Book Thinkers: Life Changing Books. As a digital nomad, Nicholas runs his business from a different country every month and gives all of the credit for this lifestyle to some of the early books he has read. So we're going to be talking about some of those books today. Uh, But before that, Nicholas, welcome to the show, man. Excited to have you here.
1: Yeah, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. There's nothing that I would rather be doing. I love sharing what I've learned so far and encouraging people to read books.
0: Oh, I love to hear it, man. Well, tell our listeners today if they want to learn a little bit more about you, what you're doing, and uh, how they can be a part of it, where are they going to go to follow you?
1: On Instagram at BookThinkers. That's our largest community. We have a little over 135,000 followers. They're all young professionals, people who are not satisfied with their existing reality. They're always looking for more, looking to make progress. And personal development books are such a great vehicle for helping you get from where you are today to where you want to be. And so if you want to check out our community, I think Instagram is the best, the, the best place to go, at BookThinkers.
0: Awesome. And I can attest to that as well. Uh, I, I obviously follow... Uh, Nick. And man, he does an exceptional job. Um, This guy has built an incredible following and his content is meaningful and insightful. And so you're going to be a better person. You're gonna be more successful if you go and follow this guy. Uh, Nick, tell us how you got into doing what you're doing, man. It's so cool.
1: Well, I'll tell you what, I grew up uh, sort of as, as a normal high school student. I didn't pay much attention in class. I wasn't into reading books or anything like that. I fulfilled more of the the jock sport stereotype at the time. And uh, that, that continued in college. I, I was not very connected to the classroom. I didn't pay attention to my studies very much, but I took an internship my senior year at college. And one of my early mentors introduced me to the world of podcasting. Funny enough, I probably would have been shocked to ever tell somebody that I would be on a podcast one day <laughs> or host one. But uh, I started listening to these podcasts and all of these business type entrepreneurship sales type guests were talking about their favorite books. And I thought, you know what? I don't like reading. I sort of have a stance against reading. I don't know why. But all of these super successful people, people that I want to be like, right? Virtual mentors, they're all reading these amazing books. And the same books kept popping up over and over and over again. So I decided to go to my local Barnes & Noble one day. I picked up a couple of great books. I read them and overnight I went from sort of insecure and confused to secure and confident. And I decided to continue reading and see what areas of my life I could improve. And so here we are five, six, seven years later, I've got this book thinkers community and I'm I'm helping to make other, I'm helping other people make that same transition that I did from you know, life is good. I don't need to self-educate to so bow. There's really power in these personal development books.
0: Dude, I absolutely love that answer. I agree completely. I don't understand why everyone in the world is not, um, an Amazon book, uh, subscriber, right? It's $14 and 95 cents a month, and they can get this information. that's worth millions and millions and millions of dollars. And it's 15 bucks a month, you know, for a credit on Amazon. Um, I love that. Tell us a little bit about what books uh, in the bio, right? Some of these, these books you read early on in your life made a huge impact in what you're currently doing now. What were those books and uh, it, what, what could you tell us a little about them?
1: Sure. So the first book that I read, really, I mean, the first book that I ever read, but the first book in the personal development space too was Rich Dad, Poor Dad by Robert Kiyosaki and Sharon Lecter. And that book is a favorite for a lot of people because it's short, it's easy to implement, the ROI is almost instantaneous, and there are a lot of epiphanies that you can achieve from reading it. And so the subtitle of that book is something along the lines of what the poor and middle class, uh, no, what the rich teach their kids about money that the poor and middle class do not, or something like that. So it creates this curiosity in you. And at the time, I had a lot of insecurity about my financial literacy. I mean, I was a business school student that didn't know that much about money. And so I read the book. I had all of these epiphanies about money, you know, how to define an asset. I'm sure we'll get into some stuff like that later. And uh, that was the first book that I had ever read, Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It taught me the importance of financial literacy, but it also taught me the importance of self-education and that Mentors like Robert Kiyosaki, worth tens of millions of dollars or more, had condensed decades of information into days of reading. So like you're talking about, the ROI, not only is it instantaneous, but it's, it's impossible to measure. A $20 book or a $15 book that can create millions of dollars in ROI is ridiculous, but it's true and it, it exists for all of us. And then I read some more personal finance books like The Total Money Makeover by Dave Ramsey. Those guys sit on opposite ends of the financial spectrum, which is really cool. So I started to realize the importance of diversifying what I was reading. And I read uh, The Richest Man in Babylon by George S. Clayson. And that was a totally different take on personal finance. Then I got into some broader personal development, like The Seven Habits of Highly Effective People by Covey. And I'll tell you what, the book that has probably had the biggest impact on the the way that I live my life is The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. I love that book. I love that book. So those are some of the early books that I read. And, And I'll tell you what, man, at this point, I've read over 400 books cover to cover, and it's all been in the last seven years or so. Dude, we
0: got to talk about all these books, man. Every single one of these books are some of my very, very favorites. Like you, I am an avid reader. I think um, it just makes our lives so happy. We feel like we have so much purpose when we're able to look at things objectively, too. I think that's what books provide us, different perspectives, different vantage points. I love what you mentioned. You know, you got Rich Dad, Poor Dad on one end of the spectrum, investing in assets, getting rid of liabilities, utilizing leverage to be able to optimize returns. Then you have Dave Ramsey on one side being like, don't you dare get into debt. You cut up your credit cards. That's bad. And then you have The Richest Man in Babylon, which is an absolutely exceptional book, right? That uh, really is, uh, I mean, one that everyone everyone should read. And no matter where someone falls along the spectrum from, you know, Kiyosaki to Ramsey, um, I think it's important to be able to step back and have objectivity about viewpoints so that we can look at things in a very, very clear um, manner as individuals and say, this is the thought that I I actually want to pursue, or these are the ideas that I want to implement and apply in my own life. Um, So I love this, man. You also mentioned uh, Seven Habits by Covey, which is a great book. I don't know if there's a, a more meaningful book that allows an individual to become granular about the goals that they're trying to accomplish in their life and get really, really clear about what they want. So you have these financial books that help people kind of create a vehicle to financial success, financial freedom, and then books like Seven Habits give people the discipline and the know-how on how to get there, um, which is great. And like you, I really, really love the book, uh, The Four-Hour Workweek. I think it's played a major role in in my life too. Um, tell us a little bit more about why that book ta- book had such a big impact for you.
1: Sure. So to go back in time, I was graduating college, accepting a full-time software sales job. It was location dependent, uh, but I had this little interest in traveling. I didn't quite know what it was going to be yet. And I also had an interest in starting a side hustle business. And uh, so I read the book and in the very beginning, Tim tells the reader that reality is negotiable, that the new rich they value time they value mon- i mean mobility over money whereas the traditional rich those types of people you know they save a lot of money and they sort of die rich and they wait until they're 65 to go live life and i thought you know what i'm in my early 20s i have a great job let's see if i can use this book to become location independent work from other countries embrace discomfort all the time really focus on time and mobility over money And see if that leads to a more fulfilling lifestyle. You know, like I said, reality is negotiable. There's this set of rules that society seems to push on all of us. And I don't remember what Tim calls it, but it's like society's box. And they want you to live inside the box. And if you get outside of the box, people criticize you, right? If you don't take a standard nine to five, you get criticized. If you don't buy a white picket fence house, you know, by 30 with your 2.5 kids and your dog, like you get criticized. If you don't invest your money in a standard 401k from day one until you're 65, you get criticized. And Tim said, that doesn't fulfill everybody. So design a life, lifestyle design, design a life that fulfills you. And uh, I followed that book to a T, man. I I was able to take that book, uh, become location independent, work from other countries, embrace discomfort all the time. Uh, I was able to start my side hustle business and use all of Tim's like automate, delegate, eliminate frameworks, uh, virtual assistants, 80 20 principle. I mean, there's just there's an infinite amount of subjects that we could talk about from that book. And I think I've, you know, there's, there's a criticism that I'll tell you that I hear sometimes being in the space full time, which is that some authors create unrealistic expectations. And sometimes the book, The Four Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss, gets tossed in that bucket. Nobody can actually implement these things. Nobody can design a life that totally fulfills them. We have to play by society's rules. Tim is setting you up for failure. And I'm the living example of why none of that's true. It's all possible. And I've implemented all of it. And it's totally realistic. You just need to work for it a little bit. So that's how that book has impacted my life
0: dude what a great answer man i love that i hope everybody is paying super close attention and taking some notes from the way that nick is choosing to live his life it's it's freedom i mean it's true freedom and i think it was one of the um it was a needed change right in our definition of what um like retirement looked like or right wealth looked like the idea that it's it's really more about time instead of how much money you have socked away because so many people you know they spend pushing money into an account that's getting eaten up by inflation anyway to then try to live off that income or that savings amount you know when they turn 65 for a long period of time and what's interesting is that the the life expectancy of individuals has raised a lot uh, in the great depression it was the, the life expectancy was like 65 to 68 years old right around there and so it made sense to have things like social security and pensions and now they make zero sense anymore because retirement is no longer like a you know, fifteen year period or twenty year period. It's like you gotta have money socked away to last you thirty years. So you gotta figure out ways to have money work for you, and to create personal a personal income in vehicles that that makes sense. Uh, and Tim, man, he he covers that so well. I really really love that you talked about uh, the Pareto principle that you talked about virtual assistants. Um, I, I mean. Anybody that's listening to this podcast right now that's in their own world of entrepreneurship, if you haven't utilized virtual assistants, man, it's like the best thing in the entire world to automate your life and, and have real freedom in what you're doing. Uh, a lot of times people get so caught up in the thick of thin things within their own company, they, they don't have freedom as entrepreneurs, right? They're stuck. They, they think they do. They go from a nine to five job to a five in the morning to 11 o'clock p.m. in the night job. And that's not what you know, owning a business should should be, right? It should be more freedom, more opportunity, more um, ways to be able to give back. And so let's talk about this for just a little bit more. Um, a, a couple ideas here from um, Ferris's book. Again, I love it, he talks about this story where he actually left at, at, uh, at some point in his life and he went to surf and he ended up marrying this girl from this island and uh, it was cool. He used to kind of guide these executives on these surfing expeditions, right? Um, and these people would spend a lot of money to go out and hang out with him while he taught them kind of how to do what he did. And they would say things like, man, I wish we could have the life that you that you have. And he would say, well, why not? Why don't you? It's like, well, no, we got to go back to work. You know, that's, that's kind of what we need to, to do. And what he, what, what he tries to explain in that book is that anybody, as long as they're willing to learn and put in the time to do it, can have that same life. And you, uh, Nick, illustrate that so well, um, I, and so I really, really appreciate what you've shared. Um, I want to talk to you a little bit about y- your experience in reading books and, and getting through so many. I'm, I'm sure you're familiar with Jim Quick, Limitless, and uh, you know some of his reading ideologies. Are you a speed reader, or do you go through the book, uh, you know, word by word?
1: Great question, and and yes, I'm definitely familiar with Jim. I had him on our podcast. He was one of my first guests to review Limitless, and Jim talks, he has a great metaphor in the book, and I'll start with this metaphor. He says, if you're driving in your car through a neighborhood and you're only going 20 miles an hour, then you have the opportunity to kind of look out at the different houses, the mailboxes, noticing somebody walk in their dog. You, you're not fully focused on the road because you're going slow and it's easy to, to get distracted. But if you're whipping through, like you're going through a neighborhood at 65 miles an hour, you are glued on the road. Why? Because you can't focus on the mailbox, the house, the person walking the dog. Otherwise, you're going to crash your car. And the same thing happens with reading. For me, I used to think, oh, it's nice to just casually read a book. But then you start to wander. You get distracted. You have to go back and reread the pages. It's like you didn't even read them at all. You don't retain anything. But if you deliberately try to read faster, you don't need to implement all of the speed reading techniques. But if you just try to read faster, then you won't be able to get as distracted. It's like driving 65 through a neighborhood instead of 20. There are just, there's a margin for error that you just don't want to engage with. So you keep your eyes glued on the page and that way you can actually increase your reading speed and increase your retention, which is counterintuitive to a lot of people. So back to Jim's book, he talks about smart reading and I do pay attention to a lot of that stuff. Um, I'm constantly taking notes in the books that I'm reading. So I do pause and look things up. But uh, I am trying to read faster. And reading is also like any other skill. On day one, it's going to be a little bumpy. I mean, you're not used to sitting down and focusing for such a long period of time. You're not used to reading these books. You don't know how to synthesize the information, reflect on it, look for takeaways, highlight, underline. But just like any other skill, as you practice, you'll get used to it. And your uh, your reading speed will naturally increase. So when I first started reading... It was a very slow process. I wasn't used to it. It was like trying a skill for the first time. You can't pick up a you know guitar and just start jamming. It's going to sound terrible. And uh, I think about that with reading. I Now here I am 400 books later. I read a lot faster and I'm more intentional, but I'm not a traditional speed reader in the sense like I still sub vocalize and all that kind of stuff.
0: Dude, that's great insight, man. I love it. Yeah, and if you guys haven't read the book Limitless by Jim Quick, I would do it. There's a couple, like, staples you need to have in your library that are just extra, extra important in getting you from point A to point B uh, in an exponentialized fashion, right? Really, really quickly. I would say Rich Dad, Poor Dad, as Nick has, uh, you know, mentioned here. Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill is Killer Shoe Dog by Phil Knight, Limitless by Jim Quick. You know, these, these books, As a Man Thinketh by James Allen, um, these books are just really, really great ones to uh, digest. And um, and knowledge really isn't power. Knowledge applied is power. And so what's important about um, these books is reading them and then actually applying what's taught inside of them, you know, going out and doing it, getting uncomfortable. I love that Nick mentioned that earlier in the podcast as well. He got really, really comfortable getting uncomfortable. And that is what has allowed him to enjoy this incredible life of freedom and excitement and uh, time right he has time to do whatever he would like to do because he has applied these principles and I love it um, let's talk just a little bit about because I, I'm, I'm certain I'm absolutely certain that the listeners on this program are interested in some of these speed reading techniques um, one of the words that Nick mentioned was this idea that maybe a new concept to some of the listeners here called sub vocalization and this idea is something that we were taught in you know elementary school, preschool, and that's to, you know, as you're reading a word, you kind of say it. You'll notice uh, to anybody listening right now, you'll notice as you're reading, you kind of say the word in the back of your mind. If you're if you're reading something like the cow jumped over the fence, if those were the words, you would be looking at them and your brain would actually be saying those words. But what Jim teaches people to do is actually group words together and they have meaning, right? We're able, human beings are incredible. I mean, they're just amazing and our brains are just like supercomputers. So we can take 20 words, group them in together, group them together into one meaning, and our brain will pick up on that. And so what Jim says is actually take your finger or something like a pen and run it underneath those words that you're reading, but don't spend time to say each word. Just let your mind kind of absorb those words as you go across them, and you'll notice your reading speed increases. And paradoxically, it's interesting, your comprehension goes up. I've noticed the same thing that you have. Applying those speed reading principles, you actually get way more out of the book, and you find that you, you you know, retrace less, you know, to the pages that you've already read before. So thanks for for uh, going through that, Nick. That's awesome. Yeah, I'll Um, mention
1: one other one real quick, which is that. Please. When we're reading, you don't always have to read the word that your eye is focused on. Too guys like Jim and Tim Ferris, they marginalize the book so they go in, they indent one or two inches from the actual margin. And they only read in the middle of the book, but your peripherals are able to pick up everything. So that's a way to read faster as well. And I actually interviewed Howard Berg. He's, he has a Guinness World Record for the world's fastest reading. And he talks about a lot of these subjects as well. So if you're interested in learning some of those subjects, check out that podcast of mine, BookThinkers Life-Changing Books, Howard Berg. He's a really cool guy. He's got an interesting backstory and he can read at some obnoxious speed, like thousands of words per minute. It's crazy.
0: And, and please, those people that are listening, do go check out Nick's podcast, right? You're going to get a lot of information and a lot of application-based um, principles, right? You can take right from his podcast to your life and make your life better, which will be great. So, so go do that. It'll be a, a meaningful experience for you. I want to ask you, Nick, because you're an inspiring person, right? People look up to you. They want to be like you. They see you and they think, man, how has he done what he's been able to do? So tell us what your habits are and maybe along with those habits, what your schedule looks like, like your morning routine and how you've been disciplined enough to be able to execute on those things.
1: Sure. Well, I've read a dozen books on habits and routines, and I think they're extremely valuable. One of my favorite books is The Compound Effect. It's written by Darren Hardy. And the compound effect teaches us as humans that small steps in the right direction over a long period of time will lead to disproportionate outcomes. There are linear progressions and there are exponential progressions. Linear progressions happen at equal increments. You know, time is a good example of that. Every hour is going to pass. Each one of those hours has 60 minutes. It will pass that way 10 years from now, just like it's passing right now. Whereas exponential progressions, they start to compound together. And so there's an example in the book of the magic penny. Would you rather have $5 million today or a magic penny that doubles in value every day for 30 days? Well, of course you would pick the 5 million, right? Well, no, as the penny doubles in value every day for 30 days, it ends up over $10 million. And that is very hard for human brains to comprehend because we've been so used to these linear progressions like time. So, compounding can happen with habits. Do you wanna become healthier? Do you wanna become wealthier? Do you wanna become happier? It doesn't have to happen in these big chunks. How do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. These little 1% improvements can make such a dramatic difference in your life over one, five, 10, 25 years. And so for me, I'm looking at who do I wanna be in the future? And what little things can I do today that are gonna make a big impact five, 10, whatever, 25 years from now as they compound. And one of the best ways to insert these activities into your daily life is by building a routine. And there's a really cool book by Ed Milet. And in that book, he talks about bookending your day. If you control the beginning of your day and you control the end of your day with a solid routine on each end, the likelihood that you can get some control over the whirlwind of chaos in the middle goes up. And so I've had a morning routine and an evening routine for the last five years now. And although the routines change, they always leverage that idea of the compound effect, that small steps in the right direction will compound over time. And so there are certain things that I focus on. I focus on those three categories, health, wealth, and happiness. So an example of a health-based routine is I wake up in the morning And the first thing that I do is I drink this miracle morning cocktail that I got from a book called Own the day Own your life by Aubrey Marcus, which has Himalayan sea salt, which has 84 minerals and nutrients in it and lemon to sort of kickstart my digestive system. And that's a great way to wake up. You rehydrate. That's a health related item. A lot of people just drink coffee immediately when they wake up. And in the book, he uses a fun metaphor. He says, Drinking coffee first thing in the morning before you rehydrate your body is like waking up with a fire alarm instead of an alarm clock. It's too fast. You need to ease into it. And so that's an example of a health related item that I do in my morning routine. As far as wealth, there's tons of stuff that I've got going on, but I love to journal. I love to visualize. I love to say affirmations. And a lot of those are related to my wealth. And in terms of happiness, I think one of the most important parts of my morning routine Is gratitude. There's a quote from the book Life's Amazing Secrets by Gaur Gopaldas. He's an Indian monk. And he says that it's not happy people that are grateful, but it's grateful people that are happy. If you deliberately focus on practicing gratitude on a daily basis, you will rewire your brain to default to gratitude. You will ingrain that gratitude into your subconscious and you'll be able to improve your baseline for happiness. And I just simply journal three things that I'm grateful for every single day or say them out loud. So those are some examples of what's in my morning routine, but I'm also one of those total nerds. I mean, I've used every piece of biohacking technology, happiness-related technology, meditation technology. I've got an activity tracker that I measure all of this in that's a shared Excel spreadsheet with my friends and, and myself, where we update our activity. And I've had morning routines that are. 25 steps long and I've had morning routines like I have right now that are only three steps long. So it definitely varies, but those are, I know that that was a lot of information, man, but those are some of the things that I pay attention to. And some of the reasons why I pay attention to them.
0: Dude, the more information, the better, man, we're just soaking this up, dude. And I hope the, I hope the listeners are as well. Uh, When, when we have opportunities, if there's one thing that I've learned in life, it's that The more information I consume, the more I understand how little I know, right? And so there's always more to learn. We never really arrive, right? I think that's what really, you know, inhibits individuals from achieving their true potential. You know, they'll be moving forward and they hit this goal. They're like, I did it. You know, I'm here and I don't have anywhere else to go, but, uh, you know, but just here. When really our potential is exponential. It goes on forever. There's so many things that we can... Learning In my mind, I'm thinking there's just not enough hours in the day. But I would love to learn a ton about, uh, you know, quantum physics and everything about science. I could everything about mathematics. I could everything about English and history and all business, all of this stuff. We just don't have enough time, right? It's, and so whenever we get these opportunities um, to learn, I just want to, my brain, I want it to be like a sponge. And so I hope the listeners are just gleaning so much from you. I know I am. Um, a, a lot of stuff to be able to, to apply here. Um, I wanted to talk about a couple things that you mentioned. Uh, really, really great points. First of all, Darren Hardy. If you're not following Darren Hardy, man, I wish he was here with us because the guy is incredible. He is a, a great business mind. Uh, as In the world of self-development, he's about as good as they come. He wrote another great book called The uh, Entrepreneurship Roller Coaster. That one is really, really good too. Uh, but the one that mentioned by Nick was The Compound Effect. And it's when i mentioned staples i don't know how i didn't mention that book that's one that should be in those those books on of staples that you should have um i love this idea of the fact that consistency compounds right like this that every single day we do something and in our minds we're like dude this feels like it's just monotonous and miserable right people waking up early in the morning or going to the gym they don't really see the difference in what's happening right but they're changing they're changing so much from these little, tiny, small, you know, habits that they implement. Uh, James Allen talks about our mind being like a garden. And we don't when we grow a garden or a tree or anything that we grow in the ground, it, it, you don't like water it, and the next day you can't even tell, right, that there's a difference in that little plant. But if you were to look at that plant at the beginning of a year and at the end of a year, you're going to see some big changes from these very small, consistent, Habits of watering and nourishment and sunshine, so thank you for mentioning the power of consistency. Man, it's good. And I would also say that uh, our character, who we are, is is really found in consistent behavior, right? Like we can't we can't do one good thing and say, hey, I'm a good person, right? It's like no, like a good person, someone, it's it's, you're going to be consistently trying to do good things, trying to help, and that's what makes you. Good, that's what, that, that's what will allow you to have a, a meaningful experience is that consistency, the small things. Um, you also mentioned the importance of uh, journaling, which I love. And I, I think uh, this is important for listeners right? Be, because there's a real power in taking what's kind of our mind. There's so many things going on up there. I, if you're like me, I mean, there's just millions of things going on in your mind at any given time. And so it really, really helps to take what's up there and bring it into a solid idea and record it, and be present. Um, there's another great book you've probably read it, I'm sure. But it was it's written by the pre, one of the previous CEOs of KPMG. It's called Chasing Daylight. Um, it's incredible. It's one of the very best books I think anyone could read. Yeah, actually, it's very read much it, so like, I'll have read it. Check it out. Check it out, dude. It would be. I would love to hear your thoughts. You will have to tell me what you think uh, on Instagram when you when you do read it. Um, but it's, it's very similar to a book by Randy Pausch called The Last Lecture. Um, he was, uh, th- this guy, Gene Kelly, was given basically three months to live. He had been, he'd accomplished so much in his life, going, going, going all the time. And he was, di- it was, it came out of the blue. He was diagnosed with brain cancer, big, huge tumor in his head. It came out of nowhere. Him and his wife went to the hospital, and he's like, what in the world? They had this big family vacation planned and all of these things in the future. And it all came to, you know, a a halt. And he had to reevaluate his life and what was most important. And one of the things that he found, it was really cool. As you go through this book, you realize there is so much power in just being in the moment and uh, appreciating what we have to, to be grateful for. There's so many things. I love waking up early in the morning and you see the sun just kind of peeking over the mountains And I just think, dude, it's beautiful. You know, like you hear the wind. I love playing golf. You can, you know, it's just the most relaxing thing and just being there, not feeling like, oh man, I've got millions of things to do or I'll be happy when I get to, you know, this point in the future. There's just so much power in saying, wow, let me just breathe for a little bit and and enjoy this life. Right, that I have, I'm thankful for my sweetheart, you know, my wife, thankful for my home, for my dog, for my relationships, for the sun, you know, for the wind, for the ability to think, for a brain, for arms that move. Uh it just, yeah, it's really, really cool. So I'm really grateful, Nick, for you. I, I really am. I'm grateful you mentioned that because if there's any practice that will have a, a ginormous return on someone's invested time, it will be expressing gratitude right? Dude, it almost, I mean, makes you, it's just, it's so important, right? To just be thankful for what we have in life. And so I'm really grateful you mentioned that, man. That's huge. Um, okay. So I was just, I'm taking some notes on what you had mentioned here. This is all so good. Uh, maybe one last thing from what you had mentioned before was this idea. I think a lot of people, um, and it's unfortunate that this is the case, but they, they just get overwhelmed with life, don't they? Like, it's, it's like, they want so bad to have your life, Nick. They want that freedom, the life of a nomad, you know, and doing these fun things that you're doing. But they look at what you've done and they think, that's too big for me, man. That's something I can't do. But it's like, no, you can do it. You can, anyone can, right? But it's about taking this elephant, like you mentioned, you illustrated it like perfectly, and just taking it like little tiny bite-sized pieces, granular pieces, Just moving forward nice and slow um tell us really quick if you can how is it that you were able to because i feel like mindset plays a big part in what you've been able to accomplish and so how is it that from the very beginning i think you said four or five years ago you started book thinkers how did you have this idea and then actually realize it bring it into existence
1: well i'll tell you what uh it's not all sunshine and rainbows book thinkers has had a very (laughs) turbulent journey And one of my favorite things to do when I'm interviewing these really big names, like the Grant Cardones of the world, right? I like to humanize them. I like to have them take off their capes, open up the doors, show everybody what it's really like to to work that hard for that long in order to achieve success. I mean, now it's become a cliche. It's a great cliche that overnight success is never overnight, And that's a really important thing for us to realize. Um, So for me, BookThinkers has had a lot of really big failures over the years. I originally started the business because I wanted to create a mobile application that could help readers retain and implement more information from the books they were reading. And I spent a lot of money with a couple of my friends trying to develop that app, and it never worked out. The developer relationship fizzled out, and uh, I was sort of left with Instagram, which was Nice. I was not into social media at the time, but I saw these book reviews were gaining a little bit of traction. So I continued to put effort into building the Instagram community. I then took on a, another business partner who put in some more money and we tried building this mobile application with a local developer and it didn't work again. And that was crushing because we had put all of this time, money, and effort into another. Uh, business development that just never found its legs. And that could be tough. But as we often talk about, and as we often hear in these books, failure is the best teacher. And so, fail fast, fail hard, fail as fast as you can, as hard as you can. And as long as you keep getting up and you keep making progress, you know what not to do next time. And uh, there have been other roller coaster moments in the business. We've had other business units that didn't work out. But I read a book. Called Built to Serve by author Evan Carmichael. And Built to Serve has this framework for developing and articulating your purpose. It's called Who, Why, How. And in the beginning of the book, as you're figuring out your who, right? Your, your motto for a life, it's really one word. Evan asks you to go back and reflect on all of these ups and downs, the lefts, the rights, the forward momentum, the backward momentum childhood experiences, your favorite movies. I mean, all of these random sort of disconnected at first types of things. And eventually through his lines of questioning, through pain and pleasure, you find what your purpose is. And for me, it's progress. I know that I'm fulfilled when I put my head down at night, when I go to sleep, if I've made progress in my health, my wealth, or my happiness, or if I've helped other people make progress in their health, their wealth, and their happiness. So that's the part, that's the first part is who. The second part of the framework is why. Your purpose comes from your pain. And for me, the pain was I was a recent college graduate full of anxiety and ego and insecurity. Those are tough balls to juggle at the same time. It was a strange place to be operating from. And then I read these books and I was able to straighten everything out and I was able to start making a positive impact on the people around me. And that felt really good. And so I want to help other people go from insecure and anxious and full of ego. Again, a weird place to operate from, to a place of fulfillment and satisfaction, certainty about life, and uh, you know, wielding a sense of purpose behind what they do. And then the how. The how can change, but the who and the why, those don't change, right? I'm always going to be motivated by purpose, I mean by progress. And I'm always going to have that, that inflection point in my life where I was able to figure those things out. And right now the how is book thinkers. And so I'm able to give book recommendations to people. I'm able to communicate with readers who are really in need of a good book to solve a certain problem. And I'm able to spread the positive power of these books on behalf of authors that have such great intentions. They're just looking to help people. And sometimes they can't get in front of a big enough audience or they don't have the impact that they wish that they had. And so I help coach authors behind the scenes and help them connect with people and get more exposure as well. So uh, that's a little bit about my journey, right? It's not all fun and games. There's a lot of really hard work. There's a lot of upsetting times, but there's also a lot of fulfillment knowing that you got back up, that you figured it out, that you persisted, you adapted, you moved forward. And uh, just to bring it back one more time, like reading these books, especially iconic biographies, you know, Walter Isaacson's probably my favorite biographer. He's written about guys like Steve Jobs and you realize that it's not all fun and games for those people either. Every major success story had a lot of obstacles. You talked about Darren Hardy's entrepreneurship roller coaster. It is a roller coaster. And so once you can realize that, then you can realize, oh, I can achieve that too. Confidence can come in a couple of different ways, but the most common is, you see somebody just like you accomplish something that you want to accomplish and that gives you the confidence to know that you can do it as well. And so I'm here to help people with that for sure.
0: Dude, this is so good, man. Nick, you're one of those guys I just wish like I could spend all day with. You know in these podcasts, I I get on these shows and it's so fun to do these shows. I just I was literally just while you were talking I was like, "Man, this makes me so happy <laughs> being here with this with this guy, it's so good. We could probably talk for three or four hours. Um, but there's a couple of things that I just kind of want to go over here, uh, maybe, and maybe ask you one or two other questions. We can off, but but you and I are going to need to stay in touch, man. We we need to. For You're sure. just a good dude. You're full of goodness, man. I can tell. And it's, it, I mean, no doubt. I have no doubt that it, it, it. Your goodness stems from the fact that you have been disciplined enough to glean a lot of meaningful insights in your life that have made you know, monumental impacts. And because of that, you're able to be a mirror, you know, and do that for other people, which I think is incredible. Um, so let's talk a little bit about what some of the things you just mentioned here. And I could not, uh, you know, agree or support you more in what you just said, raise both my hands, my feet to what you just said. This idea that entrepreneurship is not at all sunshine and rainbows. And so, um, Entrepreneurs that have found success have drunk deeply from, you know, the the goblet of bitterness and stress and anxiety and nerve and, you know, long nights crying and wondering what's going to happen and pushing forward and hoping and praying and all of these things. And then you experience these beautiful vistas, you know, that are just like, man, this is why I, I did it. And they make it all worth it. Right. Um, but there's there's a reason that not everybody does it. But what's so cool is that everybody can if they want to, if they're willing to put in the work, anybody can do it. Um, and and that's kind of it's fun to, to think about that and to watch people. struggle. I've, I've got I've got a bunch of students that go through my program and I love watching them find success. But in, in a way that is, uh, I mean, in the most uh, in the best way possible, I love watching them struggle, too because I watch them grow. I've got individuals in my in my program that you would never, you never would have ex- expected or suspected uh, to be entrepreneurs or to be successful and they, um, they're they crushing it, which is so cool to see. Um, and I love, you know, you, you talk about vulnerability and that's really important. We could spend a lot of time talking about Brene Brown and the good work that she's doing to help people understand uh, how important it is to be genuine and authentic. and it's so vital that people realize that failure is good it's one of the best things that they can ever experience if somebody's like i'm going to be an entrepreneur you know and i'm going to go just crush it my first take and they're in for a whole lot of hurt cuz they're going to get they're going to get punched and kicked and knocked down and then when they're down they're going to get kicked and punched again while they're down and the cool thing about entrepreneurship is it's saying well no i'm going to get back up and i'm going to keep going you know, until finally something works and it works well. And what's cool is a lot of money then comes, but it's, the money is a byproduct of just the, 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 the impact, right, that you, that you get to have in people's, in people's lives. And this kind of goes back to, this is a great place to kind of start summing up everything we talked about. But, you know, Stephen R. Covey, this idea of beginning with the end in mind right? Like we think about what is our legacy? what What is going to be, you know, Nick's legacy that he leaves behind? And no doubt it's going to be an amazing one, right? It's going to be amazing people that knew you and been a part of your community. to you think, man, that guy changed the world. He impacted us for good, made me want to be a better person. He inspired me. And that is kind of what keeps the, these entrepreneurs, it, it, it's what keeps them going, which is also an odd principle because a lot of people who don't quite get it yet think that it's money and it's not money does not. I mean, money is, it's not, it, it. it's just a magnifying glass. It allows you to do more good if you have it right or people that are bad it can allow them to do more bad. Right. And so money is just really kind of this neutral thing that allows us to be able to make an impact. But what's super cool is, when our why is rooted in changing the world, like changing an individual person's life and making it better, helping them love more, uh, I love, you know, or helping them experience more happiness or more positivity or more meaning or purpose, then we can do anything, like absolutely anything. Like why did Elon Musk sell to eBay, make a hundred and whatever million dollars I mean, if it was about money, like truly, if it's about money, the dude should have just stopped and hung out on a beach, right, for the rest of his life, but wasn't even close. He starts three other companies to change the world. So it's really, really cool to, to see that. And so I, I appreciate you so much. And kind of along those same lines that you illustrated here is we're all just rough stones rolling, right? There's no, the one thing I've learned, too, I'm sure you have, too, in interviewing these authors. It's like no one has it figured out. Not one. Right? All of these people that everyone else thinks, they look at, they're like, man, they must they must really get it and not have any challenges or any problems. But you realize like they, every one of these authors don't really know what they're doing. They're constantly pivoting, trying new things, you know, testing things. They're like mad scientists, you know, just hypothesizing about what works and what doesn't. And then they just follow based off of a hypothesis what is working. And that's what's so fun to learn from. And I love that. So, um, I appreciate that. I really am I'm grateful that you shared your experience with your app, you know, that you were going to build, because it's interesting, too, to see how people get to where they're going uh, and where they started, because if we look at, like, um, man, if we look at Amazon, probably one of the best examples, it's like they were a bookstore, <laughs> you know, and they totally pivoted into this wonderful thing as they just started moving forward and that's one of the most vital principles for somebody to understand they have an idea they're like i should do this but then they just don't act you know they don't move but if someone has an idea like you did with book thinkers and saying we're going to develop an app and we're going to change the world we're going to move forward wait a minute the app didn't work you know it wasn't what we planned it to be and maybe there's an app coming out which i mean if it does i'll i'll be one of the first people to download it but It didn't work. So you pivot into something else. And all of a sudden, this beautiful, truly, this beautiful business comes about that's impacting thousands of lives, just because you're willing to move. Like just because you're willing to act. I think it's amazing, dude. I think you're amazing. Right? So I just wanted to mention that. I think that's, that's great. Um, Okay, well, I uh, almost done here kind of maybe last question. And I guess last statement about kind of what you said to because you talked a lot about like our, our why, our who, our what, our how. Um, a great book that people need to read could be included in their, their a list of staples would be Start With Why by Simon Sinek. Um, or a Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl. Because if an individual has a big enough why on, on, on their purpose, then the how does not matter. Like, they'll find a way, right? And, and Mark Twain, this is so good. It's the two most important days in your life are the day that you're born and the day that you've figured out why, you know? And for me, it's like, dude, I want to help people be happy. You know, like I want people to have a good life. We only get one shot at this. You know, it's like, dude, we gotta make it good. And so like, for me, like my business is so much fun. Like life is, forgive me, dude, I'm getting choked up, but it's like life is so good and so much fun and so meaningful because what I'm doing is about people I love, you know, and, and money comes, but who cares? Right? It's just, it's, it's about making impact, which is, uh, which is great. So thanks so much for everything you've shared. I want to ask you too, um, as we kind of close out here, since you are the book king, the legend when it comes to books and learning from books, what is your very favorite book of all time and why?
1: I've mentioned a few of them already. I, I sort of have a list of top five, which includes Rich Dad, Poor Dad. It includes The Compound Effect. Uh, it includes The Four-Hour work Week. So I'll mention the two others. The first is Vagabonding. It's a book by Rolf Potts. It talks about the importance of travel, and it made it very realistic for me to start living internationally, traveling uh, you know working from co-working spaces and doing it in a in a not a cheap way but in a in a way that i could afford so that was a really interesting book for me and it, it totally changed my life as well and the last one i'll riff on for a minute the go giver by authors bob berg and john david Mann. that book is in my top five and, and sometimes when people ask me if if i need to be short i'll just say the go giver because it's had such a dramatic impact on my life. You were just talking about value uh, versus money. And I think that they're very correlated. In that book, uh, Bob Berg and John David Mann, one of the laws in The Go-Giver is that your income is determined by the number of people you serve and how well you serve them. That's it. That's all it is. Your income is determined by the number of people you serve and how well you serve them. If you can be of service to other people, then you can receive more money, and then you can give more money, and then you can receive more money, and then you can give more money. There's a reciprocal relationship between giving and receiving. If you receive, you better give, and then you'll receive more, and then you can give more. And that's a really important law and principle for life. So I would recommend that everybody checks out The Go-Giver. It's a business fable. So it's not a traditional nonfiction book. It's a short story about a fictional business situation. It reads like a movie or like a fictional book, but you learn nonfiction lessons. And I love books like that. Just like The Richest Man in Babylon or The Greatest Salesman in the World. There's a lot of warm and fuzzy feeling that comes out of a book like The Go-Giver. And it's really important, just like you're mentioning. And I love that you got emotional about it. Uh, That book will talk about purpose and it'll help you Think about the way that you impact other people. I mean, you know, moving forward, if everybody just had that lens, what can I do today to help somebody else? The world would be a much better place. And so if entrepreneurship can meet that criteria, you know, what can I do to improve the world and make it a better place? Then it's just, I don't know. I feel so positive and optimistic about the world, just like you do. I feel like there are great people like you that I get to jump on and talk with and there's a, a filtering system in our brains, the Reticular Activating System, the RAS, and it's closely associated with the law of attraction. You know, if we're going back, you mentioned earlier Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill, which talks about the importance of saying affirmations uh, and, and the importance of what you focus on in the world. And if you focus on helping other people, and you focus on great opportunities, your brain will filter for them, you'll get more of them in your life. And for me, Once I decided to start focusing on how I could serve other people, there were more opportunities to be of service. It compounds, just like Darren says in The Compound Effect. So all of these books are tied together. There are so many fun life philosophies. And just like you said, we could sit here and talk for days about our favorite books, and I don't think the conversation would ever get boring or repetitive. Because all of these books, they have a special place in my heart. They have a special place in the hearts of so many other people. Books like Rich Dad, Poor Dad that we talked about have been purchased over 30 million times. So go out there, read a couple of good books. And and one final note that I love to leave with is that there's a good book to solve almost. And when I say almost, I mean 99.9. There's a good book to solve almost any problem you're experiencing. Because as much as we like to think that human experience is unique, there have been billions of people that have lived before us and they've experienced a lot of the same things. And a lot of people have written their stories down in the form of books just to help other people so that they can navigate their lives a little bit smoother than they did. And so whatever your problem is, there's a good book out there that can help you solve that problem or get ahead of it or manage it more effectively. And I'm always available via Instagram DM to answer book recommendation questions. Present me your problem. Tell me what you're dealing with. I probably will ask a couple of follow-up or clarifying questions and I'll provide some book recommendations. So man, that was a long answer to what's your favorite book. But I think a book like Go-Giver ties together so many of the different things that we talked about today. And it's such a legendary book. And, And Bob Berg and John David Mann are two really, really good people who have written some really good books. And I love those guys.
0: Man, Nick, this has made my day, man. Made my, my whole week being able to talk with you. Um, Bob Berg is a dear friend of mine. He's a really good friend of mine and just such a good person. Bob is like, he's like, just like his book, what I love about him is talk about like genuine authenticity. This guy is just the same in real life. I was at a conference where he was speaking and he's the exact same in real life as he, as kind of the character he, he writes for, you know, in that book. Um, it was, it was, so funny. Like I saw him up on stage and he was, there was a girl that was like cold. He noticed she was cold. He's like, here, take my jacket. He just took off his jacket, and, like threw it to this person out in the audience. I don't even think he knew who that person was just being kind. Um, and so I, I, really, really love that. And what a great book to kind of, as a cherry on top, everything we've talked about, the go-giver, um, like you, I think the, the law of reciprocity is taught in that book and he uses the idea of like people and trees like we breathe out co2 they breathe it in and then they breathe out oxygen and there's this constant circle of giving and receiving that happens in our lives and uh, I feel like that I I've, I've been the recipient of a of a good thing given today from you from what you've taught me and what everybody else has been able to learn so thanks for being on the show nick i i appreciate you brother and look forward to getting to know you you more man i appreciate you so much
1: hey listen you you never know what types of results come from reaching out and you reached out and I'm happy that you did. And now I can tell we're going to be great friends. So I'm excited to see what this blossoms into as well and where else we can collaborate. So thank you for having me on the show. This is positively impacting a lot of people. And like I said, there's there's nothing else that I'd rather be doing than talking with you on this podcast and introducing people to some of the books that have helped me change my life really change my life and change the lives of others. So thank you for what you do, man. I really appreciate it.
0: Oh, you bet, brother. Well, you're changing lives, man. You really, really are. You're making a dent in the world and we'll look forward to chatting with you soon, brother.